0: I was I was very close then, and I have to watch it with a hands free. I was very close then to singing, and that wouldn't be good because as soon as you turn this on, you go totally live, and <laughs> that is worrying. How close I got then to singing, you don't want it. I will keep resisting. <laughs> dreams and dreams, that gets you thinking, doesn't it? What are dreams? What are dreams? What do they mean and? And why do we dream? Really, there isn't any clear answers. And people through history have been looking for meaning. And they've been trying to understand, trying to get their heads around dreams. And maybe we're closer now. Maybe we're closer scientifically, but dreams are still something of a mystery. And I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I've never had a sensible dream. In my life, I've never had one. As soon as I close my eyes, it all goes wrong. And in my dreams, I always seem to arrive somewhere important, somewhere important, like an airport, missing something important like my passport or my clothes. And not just the clothes in my suitcase, but my clothes. (laughs) Arriving at an airport without a passport and in my boxer shorts. It's not a good situation and you're wondering if anyone's noticed in your dream and you get all paranoid about it. Someone here could probably analyse that dream and come up with some deep anxiety in me. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't. Anyone else here have weird dreams? Anyone else have weird dreams? Everybody has weird dreams and dreams get you thinking. And where we're going with this we will talk more about dreams and how they can reveal a, a lot about us. We're into week two of this deeper series. And we're covering the, the book of, of Daniel and asking the question, have you, have we got what it takes? Last week, Leon introduced the book, giving us the background, the date, setting, setting the scene there. And he covered chapter one, talking about faith and exile. Faith and exile and the importance of the, the choices that, that we make As we live out our faith in this world and at the same time knowing that we're citizens of heaven. This week we're looking at faith and dreams. And what I want to do here is to cover chapter 2 as it stands. But at times I want to break out of that. Talk about what is happening and get some application going for us. Because Babylon, Babylon in 605 BC can seem a, a long way away from here and now in 2010, but the Bible. The Bible is just as relevant, just as powerful, and it continues to speak into our lives. So let's start reading. Let's start reading in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. Introduced in chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar is the, he's the, the main man here. He is the king of Babylon and he is effectively the, the most powerful, the most important man on the planet. And when he said jump, people asked how high. But the big man, the big man couldn't sleep. He had dreams, dreams. His mind was troubled and it makes you think, doesn't it, with all that power. All that power came anxiety. And straight off with this, we get into a a clash, a clash of world views that comes all through, all through the book of Daniel. This clash of world views is there. Here, we're going to start drawing it out on on the flip chart. Don't worry if you can't see it. It's not that complicated a drawing. Here we go, right at the centre here. We've got Nebuchadnezzar. You didn't think I was going to spell that out for you, did you? (laughs) Neb, we'll call him Neb. And then round here, all the way around. We've got the world. We've got Nebuchadnezzar's world, and he's right at the centre of it. He's right at the centre. Neb is at the centre of his world. And everything else, all the people, all the situations, all the conversations and decisions, everything revolves around him. He's number one, and he's staying Right at the centre. And I think that's a a world view that we can can easily find ourselves in. Even though we want to fight against it, we can find ourselves right at the centre here with Neb. That can be me. At the centre of my world, with everything else, everybody else revolving around me. And it's often power or spending power, relational power, positional power that confuses us with this. Confuses us about who is the centre of the world. And we don't need to be a Babylonian king to, to get this wrong. I think it's the worldview of a lot of people. Even if they wouldn't express it as clearly as that. And I think it may be the worldview that I sometimes get into and I've said it, I have to fight against it. And it may seem, looking at that, it may seem a position of, of strength, being at the centre of your own world. But the reality is it's a position of vulnerability. Because it relies on us. It's created by us and it's maintained by us. And the Bible is clear on this. We're flawed. We're flawed emotionally, physically, relationally. We're flawed. And sooner or later we all face something that causes us to realise that we are flawed. With me at the centre and everything else, the world revolving around me, I'm vulnerable. And not only that, it becomes really selfish. So we've got Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the big man who couldn't sleep. And what he did was to get the magicians, the enchanters, the the sorcerers, and the astrologers together. He gets them around him, and they came and they stood before the king. And and he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me. And I want to know. I want to know what it means. And they answered the king, and they said, Oh, king, live forever. And for these magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and astrologers, this was his position. This was Nebuchadnezzar's position. He was a god to them. That was him. And his advisors and everyone he met just fed his worldview with him at the center. And that's a shame because it did nothing to bring reality to the situation. And when it comes to our worldview, we need Reality. We need people around us that can tell us the truth and sometimes say, hey, look, Dan, look, Dan, you're not the center of the world. It's Rach that says that to me. <laughs> I think that's why I married her, just to make sure that I don't get all this wrong. I'm not the center of the world. They answered the king. These advisors, they answered the king and they said, oh, king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut to pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. That's clear, isn't it? No doubt there. (laughs) And that raised the game. It raised the game and it gave a measure of the man. These were violent times and this was a violent king and he goes on to offer them gifts and rewards and and, and great honour if they could tell him the dream and interpret it but his advisors, his advisors they were not getting it and Nebuchadnezzar got more and and more worked up, not only were his advisors dealing with an increasingly paranoid king that thought he was a god and the the centre of the world but then Nebuchadnezzar started to think there was a conspiracy going on that his advisors were against him and the situation was getting out of control and we've probably been involved in conversations ourselves where they seem seem to take a a turn for the worst and we're, we're looking for an early exit. But thank goodness we don't have to deal with people like this, having you cut to pieces and your houses turned into rubble. I don't think we've got anything that can compare to that. And finally, finally his advisers they got it and they realised and they said to the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. And they're right, they're right, but it's the wrong answer for the king. And Nebuchadnezzar got so angry that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. The decree was issued, men were, they were sent out to look for Daniel and his three friends And to have them put to death. And up to now, up to this point in the story, we hadn't heard anything of Daniel and his three friends. But they're about to join the story. About to join the story with a violent king or a commander of the guard on his way to kill them. And if ever you needed God on your side, this was it. And the first thing. The first thing that it says about Daniel. His first involvement here, his first words here were incredible. And you think to yourself, I want to be like that. I want to be like Daniel. And in verse 14, it says this, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had, had gone out to put to death the, the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and with tact. Wisdom and tact. Don't we just need that? Incredible, incredible here in the intensity of the moment. Daniel didn't lose it. He he didn't flee the situation. He didn't question God on this. But in his reaction, he sought to understand the situation and to quiet down the the paranoia and the, the anger, to quiet it down. And then Daniel went to the king and he asked for time, time, so that he might interpret the dream for him. And in that moment, in that moment, in that reaction, Daniel's character and his relationship with God was on show. Think about it. Wisdom and tact. How many situations and conversations, how many misunderstandings and frustrations and and fallouts could be overcome or come to nothing? If in the moment we react like Daniel. With wisdom and tact. And it's in those moments that our character, our character, our relationship with God is most on show. And it's in those moments of conversation and, and decision that people see who we really are. Later in the New Testament, in James 1 verse 5, it says this. It says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault And it will be given to him. James, Jesus' brother, the the writer here, makes it sound simple. And maybe it is simple. God is in the business of of giving out spiritual gifts. and, And wisdom is one of these gifts. And let's take God at his word. And let's pray and let's ask God. And if we do that, if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. And for us now... Here and now, there may be something that we're facing, some situation in in our lives where we need wisdom. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is something in our lives where we need wisdom and tact. So I want to encourage you, pray and ask God and then wait on him. Wait on him, listen out for him and God will give you the wisdom that you desire. So Daniel... Daniel then returned to his house and he explained the matter to his three friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And this is where, this is where when Daniel gets involved in the story, this is where it turns and another worldview is seen. The power and the, the position moves from a, a violent and a, a paranoid king who thinks that there's a conspiracy going on. That moves to the God. Of heaven and coming back to the flip chart here, where we've got Nebuchadnezzar at the centre of his world and everything else, all the people revolving around him, and that's the position that sometimes we can find ourselves in, at the centre of our worlds. But when Daniel enters the story, there's a different world view that's seen, and it's this one, where God is at the centre, the Creator is at the centre and we are his creation and we, his people, we revolve around him. His plan, his purpose is right at the centre and we revolve around him. And Daniel having spoken with wisdom and tact, having set up the possibility of God getting involved in this situation, Daniel was then moved to prayer and he said to his three friends, he said something like this, I need you to pray. I need you to pray, I need you to search out God, I need you to plead for mercy. I need you to move the creator God to reveal this mystery to us. And for us and for me, I know that prayer is important. I don't always get the answers that I want. But I know that, I know that prayer moves me closer to God. It moves us closer to God. And again in James In the book of James, in chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. It says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And it's suggested that James, James, the, the writer here, knelt down so often to pray that he developed calluses on his knees. And he earned himself the nickname, camel knees. There it is. Whoa. It's not the prettiest camel you've seen. But at the same time, I just wanted to put that picture in your head so you remember this. James, the writer there in the New Testament, earned himself the nickname, camel knees. And that's a question for us, isn't it? How are, how are our knees? How are our knees? How often do we kneel down in front of the creator to, to move him? Are we talking about camel's knees here, thick and, and calloused? Or maybe more sparrows, knees, thin and and vulnerable. Prayer is about God working in me, increasing my faith, my insight. And I know it is important, but frustratingly, I don't do it enough. And I ask myself, why is that? And I could give you some answers. I could talk about the pace of life going so fast, the responsibilities that I've got, whatever else. But more than anything, I think I need, I think we need We need to be challenged to pray more. It's powerful. And it's effective. And I know it's something of a mystery. Prayer is something of a mystery. But God is moved by prayer. And prayer always moves us closer to him. So let's work. Let's work on our knees. Because some of the most important work that we will ever do in the kingdom of God is in front of him. And it will be when we get down on our knees in prayer. Coming back to the story, during the night, the mystery. The mystery of the king's dream was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then he praised God, he praised God. And the progression here from speaking with wisdom and tact to asking his three friends to pray, to praising God, that's a life lesson for us, for all of us. For any situation that we face, speak with wisdom into the situation. Pray, and then praise God for the outcome. And the song of praise that follows is incredible. It's incredible, but we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it for now, and we're going to come back to it at the finish. And we're going to break out of what is happening completely and talk about dreams. Talk directly about dreams, faith and dreams. And this is where I think God, God has moved me the most. See I think, I think our dreams, our desires for our lives reveal a lot about us and our worldview. And the question for me is not if we can dream. We can all dream. But the question is can we dream with God? Can we dream with God? Because so often, well I do, I find myself dreaming for me. Growing up Growing up, I dreamt of being a spaceman. You can see it didn't happen, did it? And I know this can all sound very familiar. But then we start to dream. Then we start to dream of a great job, a great car, a great house, a great partner, financial security, holidays abroad, a life in the sun, a great retirement. And all that is good. I'm not against all that. I think we should work hard, achieve what we can. But so often, so often in those dreams, I'm at the centre. I'm at the centre of what I want, what I dream of, what I desire. And in my dreams, my worldview puts me back there in the centre. But the challenge for me, the challenge for us is when we dream, when we dream, do we dream for ourselves or do we dream with God? And that started me off. Starting me off asking the the question, what does God dream about? What does God dream about? Because if we're going to dream with him, if we're going to dream with God, we need to know what's on God's heart and what's on God's mind. So I went through the Bible, listing out for God's dreams, and it started off, started off in Genesis 1 with the creation, with the heavens and the earth, with a garden. God, God dreamed of a, a garden. It was perfect. There was plants and there was, there was trees and there was living creatures in the water. And there was birds in the, in the sky and there were animals moving across the ground. In six days, the, the dream became a reality. And then God dreamed of a man and a, a woman and he breathed his life into them. And there was life. And there was freedom. And there was a, a perfect relationship with the living God but the freedom that humanity had caused a nightmare the fruit was taken and eaten and sin entered the world and ever since that day God has dreamed of restoration restoration
1: and I believe
0: God dreams of justice he dreams of justice in Isaiah 58 the prophet speaks of loosing the chains of injustice of setting the oppressed free sharing food with the hungry, providing shelter for the wanderer, clothing, the naked. And that was what Jesus stood up in the temple to declare. And when we dream with God, we're going to get worked up about this. We're going to see things on the news, scenes that shock us, but it won't stop at the shock. We're going to want to get involved in that. We're going to want to do something about it. We're going to want to give. We're going to want to go. We're going to want to speak up and speak out for people who haven't got a voice. I believe God dreams of salvation. In the Gospel of Luke with the three parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, they were lost, all lost, and they must be found. And there's desperation to to find them, and we're going to see people caught up in life. And we're going to see them as lost, needing to be found. And we're going to want to talk about our faith. We're going to want to see Jesus coming through for other people in their lives. We're going to see those people as lost needing to be found, needing to be saved by Jesus Christ. I believe God dreams of what we now call church, where in Acts 2 there was a a community of believers meeting together, being filled with awe and seeing wonders and miraculous signs where all the believers had everything in common. They sold their possessions, they gave to anyone that had need. And God added to their number daily those getting saved. And we're going to get passionate about this. As we dream with God, we're going to get passionate about this, the, the local church. We're going to see it growing and reaching and impacting Hal Owen and the black country. And we're going to give ourselves to this community here in Hal Owen, even if it hurts us or disappoints us sometimes, because we want to see God working in and through our lives and in and through our church, our community of faith, reaching Hal Owen and the black country. And the most remarkable thing is that God gets us to dream with him. And then God fills us and he moves us and he empowers us and he inspires us to make that dream a reality. We are co-heirs with Christ, building his kingdom here on earth, sharing in his sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. God dreams, God dreams of streams in the desert, God dreams of breathing life into dry bones, God dreams of a new heaven and a a new earth where there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more death. God dreams of the garden, the garden, that perfect relationship with him. God dreams of it being restored. We're his children, his creation, and he is our father, our creator. God's dreams, his desires for his people are there through the Bible. And if we're reading and if we're listening out, we start dreaming with God. And our worldview changes. God is now at the center. His plan, his purpose, we revolve around him. And I want us to stop here. It isn't the finish. But I want us to stop and I want us to pray and I want us to weigh on God. Because I'm aware Aware that dreams get stolen. Dreams get crushed. Dreams are often a long time in coming. And we have to be patient. We have to endure. And sometimes, sometimes we've never had a dream. Not a dream with God. But we need one. So we're going to stop. We're going to pray. and We're going to wait on God. Leon's going to play in the background there. And how I want to do this is there's, there's three Three places where you can respond. Firstly, if you've had a dream with God and you know it's from God, but somewhere along the line it's been crushed or it's been stolen, someone said something or something's happened and it's just been crushed inside of you, then I want to pray for you. Or if you've got a dream now and it's live and it's active, but it's taking such a long time, and you need to be able to endure and you need to be able to be patient. But you need that hope again inside of you. That this dream is going to come through to completion. Then I'd like to pray for you. And then thirdly, if you're new to this and you've never dreamed with God, you've never felt his call on your life, then this is an opportunity where God through his spirit can put something on your heart that you can respond to. And I'd like to pray for you. So just where we're sitting now, if you want to close your eyes, I'm going to pray. And if in me talking about this, you you know this is you, this is for you, then I'd like you to stand. So firstly, if you've dreamed with God sometime in the past, and maybe you saw something of that happening, but somewhere along the line, it got stolen away or it got crushed, then I'd like you to stand. like you to stand and I'd like to pray with you. That dream, that dream from God, that call on your life just got stolen or crushed. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for these people. These people have been loving you and following you and are committed to you and they've got a God-given dream in their heart but somewhere along the line it got stolen or crushed and Oh, where's it at now? I don't know. But I pray through your Spirit that you would speak into their lives. Lord, you would breathe. As you breathed into your creation, Lord, you'd breathe on that dream and it would come alive again. Lord, that repair that needs to be done to that dream would happen. Lord Jesus, that dream would return if someone took it away by something they said. It would return. Lord, that dream that's in these people's heart, Lord, they would think about it right now and it would come alive again. Lord, and in the coming days and weeks and months, doesn't matter how long it takes, Lord, there'll be an opportunity that they can walk into. And Lord, that will see that dream moving on again. Moving on again. Lord, inspire these people to go after this dream that they've held on to all this time. Just pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you want to take your seats. And then if there's anybody here and you've got a dream and this dream is happening you're seeing something of it but it's taking a long time and you don't know like how much longer it's going to take and you need that patience you need that endurance to carry on with this dream I'd like you to stand if that's you it's taking a long time you've dreamt with God and it's taken a long time God I pray that you'd minister to these people through your spirit you know the dream that you have put on their heart and you know when you gave it to them and God, they've carried this dream. They've been called by this dream and they've seen something of it, but there's so much more to come. And God, these people are committed to that. They are patient and they are enduring, but Lord, they need hope as well. They need to know that this dream is still alive and it's still from you and it's still happening and sometime in the future, they're going to see it come into completion, whether it's in their lifetime or whether they pass this dream on to another generation. Lord, they'd be able to do that. Lord, I pray right now, give them that patient endurance. Lord, may they see that cloud of witnesses that we've already talked about, just cheering them on and saying, hey, go for this dream. It's from God. You can do it. You're getting there. You're you're running the race. You're you're getting towards the finishing line. Just keep going. Keep going with this dream. And God, I pray. see these dreams come into completion and your kingdom being built as a result, it's right to have a dream and to dream with you, God. So I'll encourage these people now. I pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you want to take your seats. And then thirdly, if you're here and you've never really dreamt with God, you've never really felt that call on your life where there's something where God's saying, you need to go for this, you need to be passionate about this, this is you, then I'd like you to stand. I'd like to pray with you. God, I want to pray. I want to pray that the people that are standing right now, by your Spirit, you would speak to them. You would leave us something in their life where they wouldn't just live a safe life. (laughs) but they'd live a dangerous life for you. And Lord, just in the coming days and weeks, how long it takes, I don't know. Lord, they'd see something, they'd hear something, they'd be around somebody who suddenly just, they get enthusiastic about and It's like, oh, this is what I'm meant for. This is what my life is meant for, to be following you and to be living out of that dream that you've called me to. God, inspire these people. Lord, through your spirit, speak to them. Through your word, speak to them. Lord, Maybe they would be in your word. And to read, of the different people and the different heroes of the faith that come through and go for a dream, a God dream. Lord, I pray right now you'd move these people and they'd hear from you by your spirit and they'd get hold of this dream and they'd go after it. And as a result of that, as a result of that, they'd go from strength to strength. And Lord, any vagueness would become clear. God they'd go for the dreams that you have already dreamed for their lives. Just pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Excellent. Coming back, coming back to the story. Daniel, Daniel he went in to, to face the king, and he said that no wise man, no enchanter, magician or diviner could explain to the king the mystery of the dream no one could do it but and here here we get it again daniel's world view in verse 28 he says this but there is a god in heaven who reveals mysteries a god in heaven who reveals mysteries god is at the center of his creation and then daniel goes on to tell the king his dream and there is this large statue and Enormous, dazzling statue, probably bigger than that one and a lot more <laughs> impressive, but we've, we've had a go, we've had a go. A large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome awesome in appearance and from the head down there's different elements. A head of of gold, chest and arms of of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron and its feet are partly of iron and partly of baked clay. Then there's this other rock cut out but not by human hands and it struck the statue on its feet and and smashed them and all the statue came down and was smashed and, and blown away. But the rock that struck The statue became a huge mountain that filled the earth. And then Daniel, Daniel gives the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, the king was the head of gold. And following on from that later, commentators on the Bible have connected the other elements to other kingdoms. Four kingdoms that would dominate as world powers. Going from Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonian empire and the head of gold to the Medo-Persian Empire with the chest and arms of silver, to the Grecian Empire with the the belly and the thighs of bronze, to the Roman Empire with the legs and the feet of iron and clay. The Bible itself isn't definite on these kingdoms and and rulers, and we need to be cautious in our interpretation of this. Having said that, there are four things, four things that I want to say here about this statue. Although, because of time, these are just going to be the headlines here. The first thing is about intimidation, intimidation, going face to face with the king, going face to face with the statue. Daniel must have known his God being that safe, that secure in his God, in his relationship with the creator that nothing, nothing moved him. He wasn't held by intimidation, he was held by the living God, God, God and not Nebuchadnezzar, not the statue was the centre of Daniel's world. The second is this, God is in control, God is in control. No matter what Daniel saw there in Nebuchadnezzar and in the statue, the anger, the the paranoia, the different elements, the different kingdoms and and rulers, he knew, Daniel knew that God was in control of the future. And as Daniel looked down the statue, he looked down the statue from Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold, down through the kingdoms and, and rulers, from the head to the feet, they looked more and more vulnerable. Because, and this is the third thing I want to say here, earthly kingdoms stand on earthly feet. All the power, all the power seen in Nebuchadnezzar in the statue stood on earthly foundations and it was vulnerable. It was vulnerable. And it is impossible sometimes politically to, to explain what is going on in the world and even why God allows it sometimes. But God isn't scared. God isn't powerless. He is the creator of the, the universe. He is enthroned in heaven. He is all-powerful. And when he speaks and when he acts, it is decisive. And Daniel knew that. He knew that. And fourthly, fourthly, God's kingdom will last for eternity. Eternity. Daniel wouldn't see the outcome of the king's dream with the other rock cut out, but not by human hands that struck the statue on its feet and smashed it and became a huge mountain that filled the earth. But centuries later from an obscure place an obscure carpenter started an itinerant ministry and three years later got crucified on a cross and was raised to life and ascended to heaven. And later in the New Testament. Peter wrote about a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and his kingdom. The kingdom of God will last for eternity. And the final scene in Daniel chapter 2 comes in verses 46 and 47. And it says this, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Nebuchadnezzar was faced with a different worldview. And when we realize that God is all powerful, that God's kingdom will last forever, that he is the creator, the center of the world, our only response is to fall to our knees. We're at the finish now. But as we finish, I want to go back. See, midway through the story, midway through the story, when Daniel was right in the midst of it, when Daniel's life was being threatened and his friends were, his three friends were praying for him, Daniel wrote a song of praise, and it's been called Daniel's Psalm. Daniel's psalm. We talk about David, King David of the early Old Testament as being the the writer of psalms. But what we get here rivals any of his psalms. And it reveals it. It shows up Daniel's relationship with God. It shows up his worldview with God at the centre of everything. It starts in verse 20. I'm going to read it through for us. It says this. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel, Daniel here was serving an earthly king, a violent paranoid earthly king but he knew his heavenly king and what is remarkable about this song of praise is that it comes in the middle of the story, in the middle of the story. I don't know about you but I would have waited until it was all fastened down, until I knew the outcome, life or death but for Daniel that didn't matter. It didn't matter. God was going to be the final authority on this and not the king. God was the final authority. And Daniel praised God even though he didn't know the end of his story. And we can praise God even though we don't know the end of our story. Because that is where we're all at. Here in this church. Gathering as a a community of faith in the middle of our stories. Things are going on. Life happens. It could be great at the moment. You're living out what you always dreamed of. Could be nothing like that. More of a a nightmare that you're facing. I think for most of us, it's somewhere. Somewhere in the middle. And the final line here says, you have made known to us the dream of the king. And what I'd like us to do now is to praise God. To praise God In the middle of our stories. And I'd like us to think about that line. You have made known to us the dream of the king. We know the king of kings and the lord of lords. We are co-heirs with Christ. And God, through the Bible, as we read, as we listen, as we wait on him, makes known to us his dreams. And we need to be dreaming with God. With God at the centre of our world. So let's praise God now. Let's praise him in the middle of our stories. just going to pray and then we'll sing. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that we are most secure. We are most safe when you are right at the center of our lives, right at the center of our world, right at the center of this church. God, that's when we're most safe, when we're most secure. God, I pray right now in the middle of our story as individuals and as a faith community in the middle of our story. We want to praise and we want to worship you and we want to continue to dream God's dreams. Lord, and we want to be inspired to see these dreams, your dreams, become a reality here and now in Hal Zoe and the black country. God, inspire us and challenge us to dream bigger dreams with you. I pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.